Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. What up, young adventurers? Dylan here. On today's podcast, I have my friend, Anthony Coloba. He is a heart-centered entrepreneur who has built and exited multiple seven-figure businesses on online space. He has self-given labels, including husband, artist, burner, psychonaut, and one hell of a cookie maker. So without any further delay, I would like to welcome my buddy, my pal, Anthony Coloba. That's a, that's a nice intro. Thank you so much. Hey. Thank you. I get into radio DJ late night voice that comes out and I can't help it. I don't know what that's uh, about. Coming up next, Anthony Kolova. Hey, get it on the stage. Give him give him your singles, everyone. Uh, hey. Yeah, yeah. Hey, everybody. I know. We, went, we were just having a conversation like five minutes ago and all of a sudden yeah. you turned into like, <laughs> hey, like Mr. Cool. It, it just comes out, man. It just comes out. It just I, flows, I, I've done enough um, podcasts uh, of my own and Facebook live videos. And I've, I've been, I, where I turn into this character version of myself and I, I get real preachy. I used to, at least it's been a long time. I used to have, at one point I had 400 plus thousand followers. And so I would do like uh, these Facebook lives and uh, these videos and I would just get into like this, like, like, like I was like, you wouldn't even recognize me these days. I mean, aside from the, the hair, the beard and the extra 40 pounds from uh, lack of uh, uh, caring during COVID. Yeah. Well, that's interesting for a few other ways. Talk to me about that, man. So you, so you 400,000 followers, what was it like? Like when you go online, situations where things don't work out so well. We had some streaming issues just before this where we were trying to get mm-hmm. shit to work and it wasn't working. We're going, oh no, what's going yeah. on? It wasn't public, so nobody saw it. But what was it like to like have the pressure? Because a lot of people, they, they, they want to get famous online. They want to have hundreds of thousands of people follow them. If only, if only. But they also have this great fear to try to like share themselves online, get personal online, do all those things yeah. online. So what was it What was it like to overcome that journey of getting comfortable um, you know, screaming into the microphone and being all preachy on a soapbox. It, it took two videos and I loved it. I, after oh, really? my second video, I, it, I just took to it, dude. I'm not, I can do public speaking. I can be in front of a camera. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. It's, you know, and especially back then uh, at the, at the peak, at the pinnacle of that part of my career, that time of my life, I was seeking that kind of attention. And so it was, it, it, it lined up. And it was so I didn't have a problem being vulnerable. And in fact, I would use my vulnerability as a means to connect my audience in a greater detail for a more maybe um, a select um, uh, segment of my audience. The ones that would resonate with the the vulnerability I was deciding to share in that video or podcast or whatever. And it, it so it the whole thing lent itself to like the persona and the. You know, at the time I was uh, uh, competing in amateur bodybuilding, so I had the physique and I had, um, you know, I, I uh, back then, you, you, you remember me, um, a little bit I, I've seen your sexy photos, all, <laughs> all greased up and looking sideways in the mirror. You're like, ooh, like, just a, mm. like, I think, I think you're, I, I thought you were about to give me blue steel, you know? Is he, just turned poop, is he poopy? <laughs> What's he doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it's just totally different person, but it, being in front of the camera and um and 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 the, the, i have to 
also be honest about this. Like I was helping a lot of people and I really like my entire life, I've enjoyed being of service to others. And so coming from a space where number one, I was helping others in a way that for a time at least was in alignment. And then in a way that also fulfilled, uh, you know, um, that, that filled that God shaped hole that's inside of all of us, whether you believe in God or not, there, there's some sort of, uh, thing that we all need that we can't get from ourselves that we have to get from somewhere else Maybe, to I, I some degree contribution is that what you're talking about right now like you're talking about god-shaped hole are you saying like to be of service to others fills up the god-shaped hole that is in all of us because i mean because there's a there's a thought process you're talking about of one people try to consume love people try to consume validation mm. people try to consume things which isn't necessarily he healthy people run around like rock stars and everybody try to consume love yeah, and affection yeah. right that's not necessarily the god-shaped hole that you're talking about is it what you're talking about maybe i'm misunderstanding is it is it like contribution or what is that when you're talking a god-shaped hole can you break that down a little bit more yeah contribution does play into it and it can i, I think th this is a really big conversation and so I'll, I'll touch on it and but unless you really want the entire podcast to be about god like then we let's touch on it and move move forward. I think I can talk about it all day long. Religion and politics. I figure we'll just stay in that area and we'll just yeah, go back and forth. That. Let's that that can we yeah, maybe talk about abortion. Um <laughs> so um so the God shaped hole for me is the yeah. understanding that um I, I guess I guess it's kind of uh, a, a cyclical feedback loop of sorts where it and it really depends on God. I'm not talking about the, the God of of uh Christ or Islam or, or any, any of the religions. Yeah. You know, I'm not talking about the old man in the sky. I'm talking about the God that is within us and the God that is with that, without us, the God that's out there. And, 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 and God is a, is a hardcore word. So I get, that's going to turn a lot of people off, call it intelligence, call it technology, um, call it a being calling, call it consciousness, whatever that thing is. The great matrix source code we all live in. And, and even if you're an atheist, I have to believe that part of you understands that um, while, there, while you might not believe in a God, that there, there is something out there at work that is um, bigger than humans. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, right. And so it's, it's touching into that, tapping into that bigger thing that I feel is infinite. That is also a smaller thing that's with inside me on an infinite level too. So we can go infinitely big or we go infinitely small kind of like in our conversation that we were talking about in my meditation practice how i connect to the universe and the greater cosmos and this the spirit world above the creator whatever that is i i, I don't give it a name it's just that that thing that powers the cells and the, my cells and the cosmos and then yeah. i go inside deeper to pay respect and pray and meditate on the the life forms within my microbiome the cells within my bloodstream the tissues that make up my my muscles and my organs and and all the small things that are part of me that go perhaps infinitely small we don't know but you know we get to the plonk distance and then it's like math doesn't work so there's like bigger and there's smaller and i believe that we are kind of the embodiment of of all of those things and what we see in this reality is uh, is ordinary reality. And then we have non-ordinary reality, which is 99% plus whatever of, of the existence outside of what we are. So I'm kind of talking about when I say God-shaped whole, I'm talking about that part of us that hasn't really tapped into the understanding that there's something bigger than us that we can rely on, um, that we can use the field. 
call it the field, the zero point energy field that we can tap into the vibrational frequency of the universe, Pancha, Mama, Gaia, whatever that thing is that we, that some of us choose to nurture a relationship with and tap into both outside of ourselves in a grand scale and inside of ourselves on a micro scale um, in order to embody that thing as fully as we possibly can during this existence. And I find that when I um, do try to embody that and I try to live within the code that I've been given through my genetics, through my epigenetics by way of, you know, turning on genes and such and whatever, like when I'm, when I'm in alignment, in other words, um, with that is, which is inside and that, which is outside, um, that everything lines up and I, I have a glow about me. I have a, a new, I have a, I can see differently. I have a vision. I have a perspective that lends itself to me, um, transcending the pains of the moment um, and, uh, and living more fully. And so when I talk about the God shaped whole, I'm talking about connecting to all that is in order mm -hmm. to be absolutely nothing during that moment so that I can find inner peace. So tying that back to the original question, the streaming online to 400,000 people, the God shaped whole is not only being of service, but channeling whatever divine being you, whatever's going through you, right? And then connecting with it and almost feeling connected with whatever's being channeled through you and having an impact on the people that you are being of service to. Yeah, I would say that's a really good way to put it. Because the more that I'm in service, the more I'm in alignment. And that mm -hmm. alignment with the again, the small and the big, uh, by by being of service, I'm, I'm actually connecting to, to flow, I'm, I'm allowing myself to flow, I'm allowing myself mm -hmm. to transcend my, my fears, or to at least um, summon courage and walk through my fears. I might be shy. I might be having a bad day. But if I can, if I can connect to this thing that reminds me that there's something bigger out there than myself, and I can contribute in a way to um, uh, inspiring or pulling that out or uh, connecting with that part of somebody else, then now we have synergy. And I think the more of those opportunities that we create, the the better our society is going to be. And so, while having 400,000 followers by being of service by in one business, helping people lose weight in another business, um, helping people uh, with psychedelic experiences and another one uh, affirmations and life coaching types. Like there's all these different ways that I've been of service. Mm -hmm. And when I am, I feel good. Yeah. And so when I when I, I find that when like that, that's a really good barometer, like pleasure is a really good barometer when I do something and I feel it was Abraham Lincoln had a quote, um, when I do good, I feel good. Mm -hmm. When I do bad, I feel bad. That is my religion. And I kind of subscribe to that maxim to some degree, because if, if, if I do the things that make me feel good while in alignment, I can do some shit that makes me feel good for the moment that might not be in alignment. Right. But if I'm in alignment with my moral, my ethical code, my own personal, internal, moral and ethical code that I've taken years to figure out, if I'm in alignment with that and I'm being of service and I'm inspiring other people, there is this reciprocal effect that just I just I, I'm fulfilled. And See, that, that helped. Yeah. Fill that guy. Yeah. Uh, I was because I was I was about to call you out. I'm like, OK, what about hedonistic behavior where all you're doing is you're just going through buffets and doing doing laps like you're at a, you know, a. Uh, a rally yeah. 5,000 kind of thing. So what you're, what you're talking about is just, is feeling the pleasure from knowing, not only doing good, being in alignment, you're having this impact, you have this ability to you. It's this, it's this energy that you get. So my question for you is this is 
when you're talking about it took you forever to find out your religion and your alignment, what it, what does it look like? How do you how do you recognize when you're out of alignment, and then how do you shift the system to get realigned? Jesus, dude. Um, and I say that with no pun intended. With, with Jesus? Oh. <laughs> no, you just said um, how long it took me a while to find my religion, and I, I yeah. want to be clear that I don't I don't follow a religion. Um, yeah. it, it took me a while to find my system. Yeah. Right. And it's not it's not a system that anybody has put on paper. It's a system that I have in countless journals over the years that I've had in countless therapy sessions, in countless psychedelic experiences and countless successful and failed businesses, successful and failed relationships, um, tons of failure. You, you know, this being an entrepreneur that we can learn more from failure than we can learn from success. And any day. Yeah. And, and dude, and it, it, you know, go forward and fail often. Right. Like that's that's a lot of what it took. It, it, it took me, uh, number one, being willing to fail. And number two, being willing to or, or, or understanding that the failure um, was useful, in fact, powerful, as long as I was willing to extract a lesson from the um, pain of the behavior that caused the failure to begin with. And if I could extract that lesson, yeah. then I can repeat it um, in it. I can repeat the, the behavior with a modify in a modified way that maybe a little bit different from the first time I did it, maybe a lot different, maybe not at all. Right. Yeah. But as long as I can pull that lesson, I never have to experience the pain of, of that, um, that that symptom that sacrifice that that situation ever again and i and, and i can go on in in a forward moving motion um again in alignment mm -hmm. uh in, in a way that that serves me and serves the humanity and the um you know evolution of our species so you're talking about this in in terms of the, the the level of your transformation the level of your alignment is how much you're willing to to face your own truth uh, look into the mirror and face that dark side of yourself and not scream and run away. And the more you're willing to look at that and look at those lessons and sit in it, you can, you can pull those lessons out versus uh, ignoring, deflecting, deferring. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it comes down to facing the fears. And um, I mean, mm -hmm. we can, we can continue to beat ourselves up and pass judgment on ourselves and go down this negative spiral. Right. And um, for the longest time, I thought that negative downward spiral was infinite. I thought I could just continue going down and down and down until one time I got to the point of suicidal thoughts. Mm. Um, I'm not a suicidal person. You know that I'm a very positive person, mm. but um, I was having a very difficult time. Mm. And something and these thoughts were just bombarding me. This is after um, some really intense psychedelic experiences. And um, when I got to the psychedelic thought, I'm like, I guess the downward spiral is not infinite. <laughs> it's it's okay. Here's the end of the line. Do I stay in this pain and yeah. keep on having these very disturbing, very difficult thoughts, which unfamiliar, totally foreign to me, and you know me like that's not, yeah. but after coming through some very difficult, resistant filled psychedelic journeys, I found myself in this place. The only way for me to transcend that was, it was to turn around and face what it was that I was refusing to face and, and summon up enough courage to look at the issue that was in front of me. And mm -hmm. once I did, and I walked through that door and I said, I'm going to look at it. I, I shot up the spiral in my, in my head and in, in the imagery within my meditative mind shot up the spiral. And I continued to go into the abyss and um, learned countless lessons. Now, 
not everybody watching this might relate mm -hmm. to the psychedelic space. And so that's mm -hmm. going to be kind of a difficult concept to grasp onto. Um, but regardless, if you have participated with psychedelics or entheogens mm -hmm. or not, the idea that facing our fears and, and head on and, um, walking into them as opposed to running away and screaming, as you kind of said, uh, that, that right there for me is where the work is. And, yeah. and, 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 and with the one thing that I've learned from this, Dylan, and you might be able to relate to this is that the fear is never true. Mm -hmm. The fear is a dirty fucking liar. And it will always, it will always tell you something like when I turned around and I visually in my meditative space saw a doorway that I had to walk through and I knew what I knew the monster that was on the other side of that door, the guardian, right? I had yeah. this image of this, this painful situation. I didn't want to look at from my childhood, from my adulthood and the way this thing has manifested over the years. I thought I knew what was on the other side of the doorway. I thought I would knew what was going to happen as I walked through. That's what I was running from, the, the unwillingness to look at my own shit, the unwillingness to look at my trauma, the unwillingness or desire, obviously, to, to face my pain, to face my perpetrator, to face myself and, the, and, and those perpetrations I've, I've, I've caused uh, by my own actions. Mm. I thought I knew what was on the other side of that door. And as soon as I walked through it, all of my fears were going to manifest. I didn't want to take my life. I, I That's mm -hmm. not I don't I, I'm. I don't want to say I'm stronger than that because I think that does a disservice to people who have chosen to opt out of this existence. But I, it, it was just not in the cards for me and it never has been because I view death and suicide as an opportunity to transcend. And I, I take this from the psychedelic space. So when death appeared to me, I'm like, this is my move. This is the opportunity to grow beyond my current situation. Part of me has to die in order for me to go to the next level. What yeah. is that part? And so what? when I walked through the door, it took five seconds and all my fears fell to the side. I saw what the real issue was. And I just sat there in this healing space. Again, I was meditating, hmm. sat in this healing space. And I just watched the fears crumble and disintegrate. And I was filled with light and love and truth. Let me ask you this. So right now you, you made a really interesting point. Um, the people that have noticed that are able to transcend the most, the people that are willing that not only view the ego death as something not to be afraid of, but view it as a, as the understanding that they're going to become more from it, right? And so you have that association. So what was your first memory? What was your first experience? What caused you to actually view your your death or your ego death as an as the oh oh I know what this is. This is a signal to push through, not a signal to turn around. What was that? What gave you that belief? Was a certain was incident? Ayahuasca, ayahuasca ceremony. My first, uh, uh, first ayahuasca retreat, not my first ceremony, but my first retreat where I did uh, ayahuasca four times, plus a number of other plant medicines in Costa Rica. Um, it became, I became well aware that, and, and I had heard this too. I heard, you know, there's different forms of ego death or different definitions, I should say. Um, and I, and I, you know, I had watched some videos before part, uh, I watched a lot of videos and did a lot of research because, uh, you know this. I'm going to just inform anybody who's watching right now that um, I have 24 years of recovery from drugs and alcohol. Mm. So before deciding to commune with plant medicine, I did a lot of research to make sure that my recovery was kind of safe. Right. Yeah. And so going into the plant medicine, 
I already had an understanding of transcendence, plus my spiritual practice without the plant medicine for years, being sober for 24 years, working the steps in the AA program and the NA program and the SA program and some of these other 12 step things where I'm just trying to collectively come together and get my own ideas. I had an understanding of maybe not what happens when we die, but like how letting part of ourselves die uh, gives way to the rebirth. If you want to look at Shiva, the the destroyer and the mm -hmm. creator, like it's kind of the same thing. Shiva destroys the mountain, but now there's a beach in front of the water. Like it's it's kind of like one of those things. Um, destroying what I who I was, what I thought about myself, and letting that part go by way of surrender and um, and ending resistance, releasing to it to come through the other side. And it was made it was made abundantly obviously emotionally clear in ayahuasca in the only way that mother ayahuasca can show you this the more true than true more real than real where once i let go and i allowed myself to die i you know ayahuasca i blew off into the heavens and soared the cosmos and and then i had another uh, psychedelic experience with bufo which is the toad venom venom mm -hmm. the toad um secretion uh that is contains 5-meo dmt i don't want to get too out there with the, the psychedelics and the entheogens for yeah. your users because i don't know how many of them or whatever but sure. um that experience is one of of death it is one of transcendence if you if you resist you go to hell and your ego tears itself down over and over and over countless times until you into your uh, surrender um and if you surrender and accept your death as it feels like you're dying that's what actually it feels like when you do this stuff um and have you have you ever done five meo dmt no i haven't no i haven't no, not not successfully yeah oh, okay well you can do it unsuccessfully <laughs> and um and it i tried it, i tried it way. didn't happen i didn't blast off or anything oh okay all right yeah. so um it could be a dose issue it could have been a product mm -hmm. issue whatever but yeah. um when you break through, when you have a full breakthrough you, uh, and you accept this death, um, you the, the experience that most people have, which I had, is um, a pure ego death where everything falls. All of Anthony went away and I, I resonated at the frequency of the, the God's eternal heart existing as pure love for eternity outside of time and space uh as everything that exists the only thing that exists the source of energy pure love that's that's kind of the, there's, there's it's ineffable there's no words that can really do it but like that was like first and second ayahuasca and bufo were the times that i realized that transcendence um the death comparison or analogy is is one of transcendence and so taking that and integrating those lessons into my life I'm able to see that even on a smaller level, I don't have to physically die, but there is part of me that does have to cease to exist in order for another part to come and take its place. And that those parts are waiting in line for me to, 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 to let go of the things that don't serve me, to let go of the pain, the trauma, the judgment, the owning of, of um, parts of myself that were um, inherited or um, projected by other people that I, for some reason, decided to claim and use as part of my identity or part of my behavior system or part of my pattern. Um, and it became 
not it no longer serve me and so when we when I, when I let go of those things I'm filled with this other new powerful energy that is um difficult to describe but obvious when it happens yeah what's, what's interesting is you're using words right that for other people, because they haven't experienced it, it doesn't have the same impact. So like some of these lessons that you go off into and say, do I watch on theogens and we can jump to entrepreneurship and other stuff in, in, a, in a minute or so. But, but one of the things that you're talking about is unless you, unless you get dragged through hell and you suffer deeply that, that when you come back and you're like, oh yeah, uh, one with the cosmos and the entities. And I was just, you know, I was, I was, I was all of source, right? People go like, you could see that. You could see that on an Instagram post. You could see that as you're going through a TikTok, you could see these messages, right? But unless you've earned the ticket, you don't have it because what, what real education is this is experience plus emotion equals retention, right? Mm, so the, mm. so greater the the greater the emotional experience with the uh and, and it coming together the more it's going to have a deeper impact that will fundamentally shift the way that you operate in this reality and so you can go, you can go on to you know uh reddit subreddit motivation or you can go on and you can look at these quotes but unless you have these fundamental things because those quotes are all well and good until you get punched in the mouth until something knocks you down until you feel yeah. like you're gonna die whether you feel like you're gonna die in your relationship because your sickness other leaves you whether you feel like you're gonna die because your business is on fire and going to the ground whether you feel like you're gonna die because you got hit and you feel like you have suicidal thoughts these are all different types of deaths that you have death of the relationships death of the ego yeah. death of the self yeah. but unless Unless you've actually gone through the fires, that's why I was asking you, how do you know? Because it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to seek it, and it's another thing to get excited by the experience of it. And so, I mean, how, what advice would you give to people that maybe don't have access to this type of uh, being able to go off to the jungles and do this type of stuff? How would they yeah. be able to have this type of uh, mindset shift to be able to embrace this type of um seeking of transformation well that's the thing right it's hard to coach this kind of stuff yeah so it's hard for me right so yeah. everybody is on their independent journey and has to stand tall like the mighty oak on their own and go yeah. through the, the 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 winter and the summer and the winter and the summer over and over until they get it now I, what i would say is that it's feeling mm. um, there's a feeling that comes along with it and feeling is when thoughts and emotion line up and, um, you know, as long as you're in alignment, I'm, I say you, but I'm always talking about me. As long as I'm in alignment, mm. that feeling is undeniable. And so, uh, I, I, again, I, I touched on this earlier. Go towards what feels good, where there's pleasure. I, I know I'm doing something good when there's pleasure with alignment. Yeah, yeah, thank you, oh, thank you. Non-hedonistic yeah. pleasure, right? Yeah. yeah, I have to be in alignment. And and that might mean I got to cut out drugs or alcohol or I got to stop wanking for a time being mm -hmm. or I got to stop fantasizing about um, women besides my wife. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. I've got to start saving money. Maybe I need to um, uh, heal a relationship with one of my parents or siblings. There's, there's always these things. And then there's always going to be work that needs to be done in terms of our healing. But mm -hmm. I, I find that when the more baggage I'm carrying around, the harder it is to tap into the feeling of pleasure and, 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 and the more fleeting it, it is. But when I when I've healed my relationships, when I've made amends, when I've asked for forgiveness, when I've forgiven myself, when I've talked to other people openly and put a voice 
to my own trauma and put a voice to the shitty, fucked up, selfish, pig-headed stuff that I've done and I've participated in. And when I look at the pain I've caused others and I look at the pain that's been caused on me and I see the correlation there and I'm able to process it either with a therapist or a counselor or a sponsor or a good friend, when I journal about it, when I meditate about it, and when I refuse to run away from it and when I look at it, I have less baggage. We know people who are walking around light as a butterfly because they are not holding on to the shit that that they that used to define them. Yeah. And when, when we can let go of that stuff, I mean, the softest breeze can take a butterfly a thousand miles. Right. Yeah. But if you're if that butterfly is carrying a fuck ton of baggage with them, it's gonna take a bulldozer to get you to move and you're not gonna feel shit. But yeah. but when 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 we're in alignment, because we've we've looked and we've processed and we've done the difficult work of healing, then that feeling where thought and emotion intersect, it becomes much more apparent and much more powerful like the breeze that takes the butterfly. What's great about that, and I wanna to touch on that is this, is that there's this, you know, there's this great awakening going on with people, you know, getting in the space, looking for alignment, stuff like that. But I've noticed that there's there's people that that see the messages, that hear the messages, that 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 wanna be this, but they're very surface level, right? They're like, everything's okay, everything's okay. And they're like above, they're just, heads just barely above water just trying to keep their to keep their shit together and, and and it's not it's not judgment or something like that it's just they haven't they haven't looked below the surface to see okay where am i out of misalignment when the things can creep up on everybody they can creep up on me it can creep up on you it can creep up on everybody but it's one of the things that if you if you feel heavy when i felt heavy and i reflected inwards and i go okay where am i out of misalignment what am i not facing what am i not willing to do and you can and then you start to do those things you do get lighter you do get better but it's also it's part of it. it's not like it's not it's it's not always about oh, um, oh, just don't do any work. Oh, just just eat whatever you want. Oh, there's a lot of pleasure with just doing whatever I want. There's like there's like there's like you know like there's two different types of energy sources, right? There's the energy source of sugar, right, which is that quick energy burst, and then there's the yeah. energy source of fat that gives yeah. you all that that that's long and sustainable. There's the energy source of of fear and uh, anxiety that drives people, and then there's yeah. the energy source of love and fulfillment that drives you it's like a slower burn but more long lasting type of thing mm. and i feel like and i feel that most people drive on this fear and this anxiety and just and, and, and they, yeah. they get burnt out on that type of thing and what you're yeah. saying is that you're you're basically switching fuel sources you know what i'm saying oh and absolutely like, you're sh you're shifting from scarcity into abundance yeah yes 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 so shouldn't it so ways that people can do that is to what you're talking about is to is to recognize the misalignments that the people have and then to face that with whatever means is at your disposal whether that's yeah a, whether a, it's psychedelics or, or a therapy difficult talks yeah therapies a hard conversation with yourself letting go of baggage understanding and part of that is like for example like maybe i need to give up drugs maybe i need to let go of this stuff maybe these are some of the things that i got and i think that's really powerful and because there's also um, the 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 quote that I, I often think about a lot, and probably this is one of the quotes that I think about more than anything else. And there's a bunch of them. Is often uh, people live lives of quiet desperation, and they go to the grave with a song unsung. And oh, I think yeah. so many people are un are unwilling to do that. But when they when they actually feel free to sing that song, I had a lot of fear, a shit ton of doubt 
doing podcasts. I did my first 10 podcasts and, and they were, I felt they were so bad. I burnt in the round. No one's ever seen them. I did them. I had so much fear and I was like, oh my God, how many times am I going to say the word um? How many times am I going to just freak out? Yeah. Oh my God, I can't do this. And I had on my, my vision board, I have a podcast, do I? And I just, I wouldn't do it. And it's funny because once I got started and once I got into it and now I'm whatever, so many into it now, I look back and I'm like, why was I afraid? Like, why was I so oh, yeah. scared? Why do I care? Why do I care what people think of me online talking about drugs and jerking off and uh, whatever the things that is that we whatever talk about, whatever, whatever the things is we get into, but there's this thing of uh, fear is a fucking liar. Um, yeah. And Big I just liar. don't know. How, yeah. And I just don't like, yeah. And, 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 and without the whole psychedelic thing is like, what other like besides facing the identity death which is a big scary beast in terms of how do people first become aware of the misalignments and the and the sneaky hidden fears that are that is stealing their energy source pain and resistance pain and resistance wherever you're Pain and resistance. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. There's probably yeah. a billion other answers. Uh, wherever I feel pain, mm. um, and I'm not talking about grief. I'm talking mm. about pain. Um, wherever I am resisting change, uh, wherever I'm resisting change, let's be clear, I'm resisting growth. And if I'm resisting growth, then that means that I'm choosing to stay exactly the same as I am. And if I'm in pain, if if I don't have as much money as I want, if I don't have the the, the, the relationship I want, if, if I don't have uh, the material or the mindset, if I if I if I have lack in my life, if I'm jealous, if there's things I want that I am that are escaping me, mm-hmm. it's because I am unwilling to grow. Back it up. I'm unwilling to change. Go deeper. I'm scared of change. Go deeper. I've got some fear. I'm listening to that fucking liar fear telling me that I'm no good. I've got trauma that's unresolved. I have I've got issues that I haven't faced. Uh, it's, it's safer for me to keep on going in this direction than it is to walk into the unknown. When I was in treatment, my therapist put it like this. This is a great analogy. He's like, Anthony, you're sitting in a warm bucket of shit and you're loving it. And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> I'm like, what? Um, can you uh, help me out with this one? He goes, well, think about it like this. You're sitting in a warm bucket of your own shit. It's stinky. It's gross. It's ridden with bacteria and all, who knows what. Other people probably see it. Now, mind you, I was a drug addict at age 20. That would 21 went into treatment. I was a mess. No. And everybody's telling you that on the outside of the bucket, life is so much better. Life is so much better on the other side of the bucket. And you've stepped out of the bucket. You've stood up and holy shit, is it cold? And now it's even stinkier because the wind is blowing this stuff around and it's crispy and you just fuck that. I'm not going to step out of this warm. It's familiar. It's comfortable. It's it's even if, if, if it's disgusting, at least it's predictable. And there's some consultation in that. There's some there's some safety and security in that. Yeah. But it's once we step out and we go through the shedding pro the cleaning process and we do the work of hosing ourselves off and scrubbing and cleaning and primping and and then we get dressed and then we go to work and then we start 
fulfilling ourselves and our neighbors and our community and our society and our species. And then it's, it's like, it doesn't stop. But if you're going to sit there in your warm bucket of shit and trade safety and predictability to avoid walking into the unknown, then you're letting fear win. Mm-hmm. That That's paraphrased, but that's kind of the example that he gave me. I love that. And let's, Let's segue this with this topic. And I think you're, you you hit on a really good point. A, a lot of people, there's this thing called the re, the great resignation going on where a lot of people are quitting their jobs and they're, and they're trying to start new things. They're trying to get in these spaces, but there's a lot of fear and doubt and uncertainty that they won't survive, that they will die if they, if they try this. Um, and then because of that, there's this thing where um, and then when you get into business, there's like constant progression. Cause as you know, as the business grows and as the business evolves, you need to be able to transform the business. It's one thing to be a sole entrepreneur. It's another thing to have employees, mm-hmm. another thing to grow that. And so you need to be able to evolve along the way. Absolutely. Can you talk to me, talk about a little bit about this transition from lessons learned from, uh, the, uh, drug addicted Anthony in his twenties to, um, um, uh, creating multiple businesses and the transformations you've had to adopt. Cause I truly believe that businesses are, is one of the greatest transformational mechanisms that, that people have, uh, not only for their own lives, but for being able to create those things for other people. So can you talk to me a little bit about that? Some, some early lessons or things that come to mind about the, some transformative motion moments that you've had, uh, while you shift your identity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first thing I want to say before I go back and talk about some of the transformative moments is that the business, like you said, is one of the the biggest ways. I don't know how you put it, but to me, what I heard was uh, entrepreneurship, business, creating a business. It's it's a, the business um, is a microcosm uh, of our own internal alignment. If your business is, is not where it wants to be, and this is not my quote. This is a great quote by an amazing coach named Alex Sharfin. If your business is not where you want it to be, it's because you're not able to run it yet. Right. And so like the the outward expression of my business, the the the, the quality of life of my employees, the, the quality of my customer service and the customers and the products and every every aspect down the chain of business is a reflection of my central nervous system. It's a reflection of me, right? Because what I do in business, the way I treat my employees, the way I treat my customers, the way I treat the processes is basically built off of the way that I, I, I think it comes out of here, which comes out of here, which is it. This is a bigger expression of me, just like an artist, just like mm. a painting or a sculpture or blowing glass or some beautiful piece of artwork as an entrepreneur we're creating our own art and we are using our creativity in order to, to express that art now not all art is beautiful and not all art is is provoking but all art is true yeah there's a truth there's a truth in it because the person who's creating it is expressing some emotional and maybe i should back that up and say all art is true when it's paired with the emotion that's required for it to be considered art by the artist something like that. But that business is an expression of like what's going on inside me. And so like with my old company, it got to, I mean, we, we, I, I did the math recently and it turns out that we affected and impacted 
close to 25 million people. Wow. The, the, yeah. Yeah. That was IIFYM.com, um, mm-hmm. which I exited in 2019. Now, the amount of stress that was happening within my system as a result of having to maintain this mega situation, helping that many people and doing right by them. Like I was under stress and I was not in alignment the entire time. And so that was, I was doing the best I could do. And I did a really good job, especially, you know, comparatively, I always wanted to be the boss that I never had. So I was a good boss, but like, you know, I also complained a lot and I also, you know, I don't want to say I took it out of my customers, but like, I didn't, I didn't always empathize or sympathize with my customers, with my clients, with my employees, because there was some discord, disharmony within, within me. And that came out in the business and it manifested everywhere else. Right. So when we're in, again, it goes back to alignment. When we are in alignment, we're congruent within our business. As long as our heart and, and the concept of the company are congruent, and then we're in alignment ourselves. And there's no limitations. Now, you're, you're, you're. Did you want to break for to say something, or do you want me to jump into your your question? Let me say something with it, then jump in after that. What I think is, I mean, you're totally right. And what I, what I think is amazing is that the business is a microcosm microcosm of my alignment, right? And into and I maybe butchered that a bit, but what I, I love the concept of it being the fact that. You come in with your own personality. You come in with your own habits, your own systems, your own frameworks, your own mentality. You have all this stuff that makes up you. And when you go into the business, you you spread that to everybody else on your, on your team. You hire people that are like you to a degree. You hire these different reflections and they become pieces of you. And, and you yeah. are the, the heart and the head that moves forward on the business. And then what's interesting is it just made me think of uh, it, disassociation. It made me think of when people are when people are in a in a really negative space and and they're, they're angry at everybody else. It's because they're mostly angry at themselves because mm, they can't yeah, they, yeah. they can't accept they can't accept themselves, so they can't accept anybody else. And so in business, if people are messy and disorganized and they're not willing to put in the time or the effort and they're complaining to everybody else, why all of these other people, all of these employees, all of these co-founders all these other people if only they would listen to me everything would be okay but right, ah, right? It's, just, it's this victim mentality and then it's it but it's their unwillingness to face their own demons they're unwilling to have their own ego death and go i need to become more in order yeah. for this to become better and it says if they're willing to transform themselves they can transform their business and then and, and that and there and there's a there's a thing then you have to keep doing that right and you have to keep evolving that process um and that was one of the thoughts i had of that and it made me think of like yeah if you if you're struggling in your business reflect inwards on what piece you're struggling with yourself fix that create realignment yeah. and then go outwards from there yeah so. well let's let's think of that's, that's exactly it and let's take a look at that same messy sloppy unorganized um person right mm-hmm. if I could be a messy because I want to be clear about this. I could be a messy, sloppy, disorganized person and still be self-aware. Mm-hmm. And if I understand my own limitations and I've looked yeah. at them, I yeah. can hire an operator. I can be yeah. the visionary, the sloppy, messy, dirty visionary, and I yeah. can hire an operator yeah. in order to 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 make happen all of the, the 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 vision to bring the vision yeah. forth with the team. That right there is the break that that's that allows for the alignment that I have within myself and the self-awareness and the understanding of self to now be projected through a lens, through a, a projector that, that, that actually 
sends the signal of my self-awareness rather than my disorganization out to the company. Because I put people in, putting people in charge that that are organized and not messy and can pick up the, my own limitations because I'm aware of them. If I'm not aware of them, now we're talking about the person that you described that's building a company that's totally messy and disorganized itself. Well, because but they won't own it and it, you understand your limitations so that you can transcend them. And what yeah. you're looking at is from the point of one of the main reasons why people get coaches, right? You like yeah. understand, hey, I struggle with fitness. Maybe I don't, I, I'm not good at diet or I'm not good at these other things. And so you you cognitively outsource a coach and they go, hey man, I'm a badass at this. Like, let's work together. I'm here for you. Give me a call for, and it could be business. It could be fitness. It could be what name a relationship. Yeah. And I, and I love that because you're, you're right. You, you don't necessarily need to be a master at everything but you do need to understand what you suck at and what yeah. you enjoy and then start cutting out pieces. Like yeah. my, like my, my, uh, fight. One of the first things I ever did in business that I realized that I don't enjoy finances and tracking finances and do those whole things and stuff like that. So I, I, I brought on someone who's a master at that. And I put literally zero, like look into that. I, 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 I dive into the area, like some of the key areas that I need to, but I, but that is one of the areas that I'm like, I'm not going to master, I'm not going to become a certified CPA or CFO or any of those types of things. But what I will do is have someone else do it that I trust and that I love and that I care about. And then, yeah. then we're going to work together to become more. So um, that was a very, very, very good point. Cause I think I made a blanket statement and you called me out on it. So I appreciate that. No, I, I actually, I, I, I agree hundred percent with what you said. I just wanted to give the, the opposing, the, the transcendent viewpoint. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and, yeah. I, I think it's it's absolutely because here's the thing, Dylan. We don't have to yeah. trend. We don't have to overcome our limitations. We have to transcend them. I don't have to become a CFO. I don't have mm. to know how to code, right? Yeah. I have to. I have to know what I want and know how to get it, right? Yeah. And if I know yeah. that, then I can put those things in place. But a lot of people, and and the same, you could have somebody who knows how to outsource all the right people and all of the you know the right positions and fill their entire org chart. And if they're a dick and they're just a selfish, greedy bastard and they're not centered in their heart and they don't, they don't, you know, like the way they treat those people, that, that company is going to have like, look at Bezos, like amazing company. I, I don't know him. I don't know if he's in alignment or out of alignment, but I know that his employees are pissing in bottles to save. Like there's something out of alignment with that company. Yeah. Right. And, and some of the things that have come out of his personal life lead onlookers to, to say, yeah, maybe not the purest of hearts, right? Some, something happening. But um, so there's all, there's all, all kinds of levels. Is there is because what you're talking about is the, the absolute highest of achievers, right? The absolute highest of achievers like Bezos and these high ones. And there's, there's this thought process of, can you have an incredibly high achiever that is also incredibly heart centered and aligned. Can you have absolute achievement and absolute heart centeredness? And in terms of that, because it's such an extreme, it's there's a there's that theory that uh, you have four burners on a stove, and if you want to crank up the achievement in the business, you've got to turn down the relationships, and you got to turn on these other ones, so you have more gas for the system. That's one of those old paradigms, right? Is that is that a fallacy, or is it, or do you think it's possible to be able to have? a heart centered Jeff Bezos who runs this gigantic megalithic um, company that it does and also pay fair wages to everybody throughout the whole thing and, and, and yeah. value his opinions. 
those people exist. They, they mm-hmm. exist. I think there's, there's most of us would think that there's concessions that have to be made along the way, but I think mm-hmm. that, that those heart centered people stay more in line with their heart as much as they possibly can. Now, anybody I talk about in the next two minutes, I don't know. I don't know if they're in alignment, but all I see is the example that they're setting publicly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Gates, how much mm-hmm. has he donated to AIDS research? How much has he de- donated to uh, high schools and, and sports teams and like and, and medical uh, advancements? How much yeah. he, he's got the funds, he's a philanthropist. He like, I don't know his motivation. I can't say he's in alignment, but, I'm, but I do know that, you know, now, on the business side of it, maybe like I, I don't like, you know, Microsoft Word or I don't like the product or there's something within the company. But I think it, him using the company in order to facilitate uh, the philanthropy that he does with the charity and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said about that where part of him is in alignment. I would I would guess I mean, maybe he just wants yeah. to look good. Right. Yeah. Look at the dude that started five hour energy. He's a. I think he's an Indian. He's from India and he started five hour energy and is now putting all these, um, what, what is, what's the term for the machines that take desaltification, the desalt, desalinization, desalinization, desalinization takes the salt out of the ocean. He's trying to provide drinking water from the ocean for the entire world with the money he's got from five-hour energy. That's so cool. there are those kinds of people that exist. Now, I don't know how the corporation is run. I don't know if his employees are happy. I don't know if they get a, a working, a living wage, right? But I, I do know that there are people like that that exist and that try to do the best that they can possibly do within the compassionate capitalist framework. Yeah. And that's the concept that uh, Explore is. And I don't know if people know about the terminology, but compassion capitalists. Yeah, that's a concept that's a term. Um, I think I heard the guy at Whole Foods talking about it. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit about the compassionate capitalist terminology? Yeah, I'm sure there's a better definition than the one I'm going to spew out. But basically, sure. to me, it's 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 having a heart centered or a, a compassionate person at the at as the visionary in, in a typical in a, um, not typical in a in a well structured organization there will be a visionary who is on the visionary of any company i create and then below me i have an operator and then below the operator are the different roles that get filled out and so um, me being the visionary being compassionate towards others meaning um i take into consideration uh the well-being and the uh, um the wellness of my and the happiness the pleasure uh the the abundance the serenity of my employees, their comfort level and everything. That's why we used to get, here's an example of what compassion, compassionate capitalism, compassionate capitalism meant to me. Every Wednesday we had a massage therapist come to the office. Everybody got a massage table massage. Um, we bought lunch every Friday. The minimum starting wage was 15 bucks an hour. You're quickly elevated to 16 to 17 to 20 within six months or something like that like and for where we were at in the in the in the country that was in good competitive wage mm-hmm. um we, uh, with today's standards we would have offered remote working from home yeah pre-covid but that just wasn't a thing back then so we we're yeah. always looking for these ways of of you know incorporating the you know you bring your dog to work type of day these types of things now these are just small examples it's i'm not saying that's like the most compassionate company in the world but these are ways that i made sure that my employees my team members were 
happy, were taken care of, that they had they could pay their bills and 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 have a good life with their family based on the work that they were doing, the hours. And then we gave like bonuses and we always had parties and there was there was never lack within the company. Yeah. Right. And so Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, please. Yeah, question for you. I mean, I know, um, and I know if you want to complete the thought, but I would love to know what was. Were you always a compassionate capitalist? You know, when you started out the first business, or was this something that you aware you aware was an actual uh, social emotional competitive advantage uh, that had net returns on your soul? Like, what about? That, like, yeah. What, okay. That, that, that's a good. That's a good question because my first company was a hot dog cart. And um, it was just me. And my next company um, was the first one that I sold, secondskinaudio.com. That one, um, I had one employee and I was cool with him and he was a warehouse dude and I, he set his own hours and I didn't really care. I was young at the time, um, yeah. wasn't so concerned about being, I was trying to make money. Um, it was when I had my first couple of employees, when it went from just one employee to two to three to four, I was like, oh, I have a fucking responsibility here. These people need to be taken care of. They're counting on me for their well-being. They're counting on me to do the marketing, to get the phone to ring, to get the traffic on the website, to convert. They are counting on me to feed their families. They're counting on me for their their medical, their for their dental. They're counting on me for their groceries, for all of these things. And yeah. it, it added a response, it added a realness uh to to my situation as i leveled up from just having one employee who was kind of there in the warehouse sometimes and was cool to having three or four um i took that responsibility very serious and it, and and, and it re reaping dividends on my soul is exactly how it felt it wasn't the angle was not oh if i treat them good it's gonna they're gonna treat my customer we all know that if you treat your employees well you're yeah, your customers are going to be happier or whatever. There's all those levels, but it was no, I, I feel better knowing that that my people come into the they walk into the door with a smile on their face in the morning because they're happy to be at work because they love their job. And that makes me feel good. I, I And my thing was, I, I touched on this earlier. I always wanted to be the boss that I never had. And, and you had bosses. And I don't know how many of them you would stay in touch with today, um, but I've never called any of my previous bosses. Um, like they were never, I mean, except for my dad, worked with my dad for a while, but right. Like most of them are not compassionate. Most of them are just numbers and, 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 uh, and, 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 and interested in projecting their own trauma and their own understanding of the workforce onto their employees in order to get things done in order to meet their quotas in order to make their boss happy or in order to make money and, and get that, that boat or the jet ski or the, you know, whatever. And so I didn't, I didn't want to contribute to that. I didn't want to participate in a system that used people as commodities. I, I wanted to uh, lift people up and 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 go beyond um, transactional um, management and go into transformational leadership. And I, I wanted to get to the point where my um, my employees uh, trusted me, trusted themselves, and knew that I trusted them to get the job done. And so I hired a coach. I touched on his name earlier, Alex Sharfin, and he took me from a place of working 65 hours a week to building a culture, heart-centered based company where I had about five to 10 hours of responsibility every week and everything else went to my employees and I trusted them to do everything that they needed to do. And I gave them the tools and resources to do that. And just doing that alone, take away the money 
if you give somebody trust and you give them the responsibility and you say, I believe that you can do this, give me your best stuff. When they bring it back, I can now coach them rather than um, criticize them. And coming from a place of coaching the team uh, is much more transformational and much more uplifting and inspiring to them because they can learn the lessons and they can grow from it and then blossom into whatever it is. And I also got to make sure that they're doing the thing that aligns with their heart. Yeah, I might hire you as a graphic designer, but I might find like three or four weeks in that, yeah, you're a good graphic designer, but you're better at this other thing. And it, it fulfills your heart to do this other thing. And if I have a position that that, that can pull them into that other thing, then they're going to blossom in that role even that much more. How would you today, let's just say you started a new company um, and uh, you you knew you had some employees, right? And you, you had however many that you're getting started with. What would be some things that you'd be putting in place to make sure that you would be in the boss today, knowing, you know, post COVID era, about all these other things, what would be some practices or some habits or some rituals that you would do um, to make sure that you could be uh, coaching and be in the transformational space and, and you could do all that kind of work uh, to make sure that you're in alignment with yourself and your team and your company. I would first, I would, it would all be laid out and I, like it is I'm building a new company right now called Changa.com. Mm -hmm. um, and I have a whole spreadsheet where it's like probably pull it up right now and read some things off, but it starts with being a culture driven company, heart centered company that has culture driven um, team. And from there, uh, we grow into the vision of the company, making sure I hire the right people for the job, making sure those people are in alignment um, with themselves. Like that's important, right? Uh, as yeah. much as I enjoy coaching people, I, I would prefer to deal with self-aware people who have already, you know, come up through the ranks in terms of their own self-awareness, which mm -hmm. I think is really big. And then from there, I would go into um, skill set comes after culture, um, make sure that they have the right skill set. And I, I even, you know, when hiring people, I look at like human design. I, I look at um, for those of your podcast followers that don't know what human design is, look it up. It's mm. kind of astrological it's a lot of woo it's some fluffy shit but it for some fucking reason it seems to work out and so uh, i i stopped questioning it I, i'm not big into astrology but there's something there and so mm -hmm. and finding people that are into human design finding people that are maybe into ayahuasca this is all culture driven mm -hmm. stuff that's the important thing for me is culture first skill set second you know because mm -hmm. i can i can find a graphic designer and I don't want to hire, I don't want to interview 500 graphic designers and then pick out the three that have done ayahuasca and that like, you know, are self-aware. I want to talk to a bunch of ayahuasca people and find a graphic designer, graphic designer in that community. Yeah, you, you want to find uh, culture first, skill set second. Let me ask this question though. So that, that makes a ton of sense with me and I completely resonate with that. Looking at that though, in terms of keeping alignment with them in terms of, of marching to the same beat, right? So you find that you find the right culture fits a, you know, a bunch of uh, people that are already um, aware who have done shadow work, who have done their own progression path that are skilled and professionals at their own, own things that they've done. And they're in that space. Right. But as you march, there is a natural sense of drift. Things happen where you tend to misalign. You have 10 things where you misfire yeah. things or things are misunderstood where things that even if you have a bunch of, um, 
uh, uh, woke dudes that you're hanging out with, right? There can be things that can turn into resentment and resistance and things oh, yeah. like that. And there could be blank spots on that. How do you keep alignment and culture alignment with people as you move through this, as the challenges? Yeah. So that just comes down to congruency and consistent communication. So I, I had the good fortune of hiring again, the same coach that I'm referring to, um, yeah. who had tremendous impact on my life and on our, and our business. Um, where he had this system called the waterfall and it started with um, your annual goal, your six month, your, your quarterly, your monthly, mm -hmm. your weekly. And the way that he explains it is if you go into any football team and you say, Hey, what are the goals of the team? What are your goals? They're going to say, well, it's super bowl or it's, yep. it's a hall of fame. It's super bowl. It's championship. It's whatever the all the way down to who am I playing next week? Who am I, who am I lining up against in today's game? Who, how, how do I show up for practice? How, how, how do I lace up my, what is my, what are my thoughts when I lace up my shoestrings? Like it goes all the way down. So he does that in business. And so you have, um, uh, annual meeting, you have, uh, three, you have four quarterly meetings. You have one six month or two, six month meetings. You have, uh, uh, 12 monthlies, you have 52, weeklies and then you have daily yeah. daily 220 i think it is the work days per year typically um daily he calls them huddles and when you go on a huddle it's like here are the topics here's the things everybody's responsible for here's the direct and we know like if we get this done today then this week we're going to get this done and then this month and then this quarter and then and so on and what usually happens is you hit your annual goals like after six or seven months and yeah. so it keeps everybody on the same page. Everybody is a, there's a level of accountability. There's a level of intimacy. There's a level of transparency so that like, not only is it like, you, you know, who's working on what, but you know, when they drop the ball and you know, when they really succeed. And then you, 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 you praise that you praise, you know, and, and you, and you don't set the bar super high. You set the bar kind of low so that they can reach it so that you're always winning, always winning, always winning. And when a team, comes together on a daily huddle and is always fucking winning. Where did we win yesterday? That's one of the questions. And like three or four people are like, I got this done. I did that. I got this idea. And then you, it just, it magnifies the entire thing. So it's, it's not my system, but it is a system. And I believe that systems and processes re reduce noise and pressure. And that was the biggest thing that he taught me. And so I, uh, my biggest thing is to reduce my noise and pressure by taking care of my team, by giving them the trust that I know that they can you know, handle the things by giving them all of the resources that they need by having the vision clearly laid out that we talk about every day that's based on the annual meeting. And as long as I stay in alignment and I hire based on culture and my culture dictates that those people are in alignment, there's no way Shanga.com is not going to blow the fuck up. Beautiful, man. Thank you for that. And I, I completely agree with that. Uh, that is actually some of very similar pattern that I use to run my own company where I have annuals and quarters and and not monthlies but i do have weekly goals and those targets i i loved i love that pattern of, of of behavior it's a bitch to do the work it's a bitch to set up and have all those meetings it, but it is an infinitely valuable on the back end again that identity yeah. death of, of that one of the things i'm letting go is being a lazy bastard and just knowing i need to put in more effort because the the, the return is so great i just think yeah. it's, a, it's a it's a it's a powerful lesson I want to segue into Changa.com. I want to know what it is and what's your holy grail for it, right? What, so what do you what it, what is it as yeah. a thing, and what do you, what do you ultimately what is your Super Bowl Hall of Fame process uh, thing for that look like? Uh, it's funny that you say that because I don't have a Super Bowl 
hall of fame for this one. This is yeah. something I'm doing that, that is not connected to money. It's not, it's, it's just a fun thing I'm throwing together and yeah. I'm just going to see what happens. And, um, you know, I, I, part of the, part of the reason why Dylan is I'm not wanting to take it too seriously is because I sold the last company, uh, 2019 and I've been doing a lot of personal growth, personal development work, and yeah. I, I don't have a job. I'm retired. So I'm just, I'm sitting in this space and to activate to the degree that Changa.com or like I own yogapants.com, right? Like, so to activate to a degree that these domain names would uh, be worthy of is would require that, that mentality. And I'm kind of like, I just want to ease into it right now as a yeah. fun project because I don't need to work. I can help some people and let's just see how it goes. Um, that's not a fear of failure or is it going to work? Is it not? I know it's going to work. I know my skill set. I know I can make it work. Um, it's just, do I want to activate right now? And mm -hmm. I'm kind of like more in the, the, the hobby stage than I am a super big stage. But to answer your question, what is Changa.com for us in the U.S.? Changa.com overseas, um, C-H-A-N-G-A. -A. Um, Changa is an entheogen or psychedelic. It is, if you look at um, ayahuasca, it's two ingredients. It's the ayahuasca vine, which is M-A-O-I, and plus chacruna, or there's a couple other different things that um, contain the DMT. DMT cannot be ingested orally because the enzymes will break it off and it won't be bioavailable. And so when you add an M-A-O-I, uh, monoamine oxide, uh, oxidized inhibitor, it inhibits the enzyme that breaks down the DMT and it allows it to become bio, bioavailable, which allows you to go on your ayahuasca journey. Mm -hmm. This would be considered the smokable version of that, where it has, you can use a bunch of different herbs. There's recipes that have 10 different ingredients. There's some recipes floating around online that have only two ingredients, which would be a DMT and an MAOI. Um, and then the third ingredient is the actual spice itself of the dimethyltryptamine, which people add at home in order to uh, saturate uh, uh, the uh, the plant matter. It, it, it looks like tea leaves. It'll look like tea leaves. And um, once you add the psychoactive ingredient, you can vape it and, or smoke it. You can even ingest it as a tea. Um, at that point, because you maybe an hour or two, you could drink the tea of the MAOI, and then you can take the uh, the active ingredient separately, and you will get a very similar to ayahuasca feel without um, without going six, seven, eight hours. It, mm -hmm. it, and it'll it'll be more like a thirty to sixty, ninety minute journey. It'll be much more mild, and it, and and it's um, anecdotally people report that it's. Um, very loving, very warm. You're held, you're embraced, you're encouraged, you're inspired, you're accepted, you're loved in that space, which allows for healing. And so mm -hmm. my goal is to come at it from a harm reduction standpoint. As a recovering drug addict, it's important that I don't encourage people to use drugs. But for the people that want this stuff, that want the healing potential of something that will open up their mind in, in a super non-ordinary way, that will allow them to bring forth their subconscious in the form of the universe, the cosmos, and all that is, this substance um, will allow for that. And so my goal is to teach people how to do it safely in ceremonial settings with the intention of healing, the intention of um, progression, the, the, the intention of exploration, not necessarily um, recreational use, definitely not abusive use. It's not an abusive substance. It doesn't have the propensity for abuse, but we can abuse anything like a bicycle. We can go for a bike ride addictively, even though bicycles are not addicting. Like we can, we can latch onto that stuff. Yeah. So 
knowing that there's a little bit of gray line there, I, I want to uh, make sure that I bring a harm reduction aspect to it so that people um, can approach this because it is a relatively new entheogen. It's introduced by um, somebody, um, uh, Julian Palmer in Australia, about 20 years ago, I believe, and um, two decades ago. And uh it, it, look at ayahuasca. It's been around for 500, 5,000 years, whatever. Look at the other things. They've all been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. Mushrooms before dinosaurs. So like um, this is new and there's an opportunity to create culture and to create um, ceremony and to create um, understanding around it that has not yet been solidified. And so I got the, the domain name um in changa.com changa.com so that allows me to be the source material expert or at least the perceived expert right off the bat just because i have the domain name that matches up with it my job is then to hire the right people in order to make sure that it is the 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 spirit of the let's say plant the spirit of the entheogen the substance lines up with my heart and lines up with 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 the reality of the situation which is there's a lot of good that can be done but there's also yeah. a chance not necessarily for disaster but there's a chance for for harm to be done and so um being in that position allows me to set things up in a way that serves humanity's evolution rather than distract from it and that's kind of what i'm planning on doing with changa.com that's that's beautiful and yeah whenever you get into these subjects anything that's effective can be abused Right, cocoa leaves got turned into cocaine and all that crazy stuff. Yeah, I mean, you can, yeah. you can, and then those things, and that can be used in medical treatments uh, and numbifications, mm -hmm. um, or it can be used in a bunch of addictive ways. And and again, it's it's the intent and creating culture around it because you can create you can create ceremony around anything and have it have a deep impact. But it's like what you do with it, it's what matters. And I, and I love the care and the curation that you come from, and also the fact that you understand that it, it's something that if used with reverence. Is something that can actually provide massive benefit and open up doorways of possibilities to allow people to to expand their hearts, expand their minds, and expand who they you know who they are, and for the greater benefit. Because a lot of people that haven't done psychedelics and plant medicine, those things, they poo poo it. Oh, that's just your brain. Oh, that's just it's this. Just a drug. It's just yeah. a drug. Yeah, just in our drugs. Let me just go have a beer and a shot and have some coffee and all that. You know what I'm saying? And it's like the yes, and we are drugs. We are drugs. We are made of drugs. We are everything. You know, and there's there's no society that doesn't have drugs. It's just when this weird Puritan society comes around. But again, you are playing with fire. Fire keeps you warm. Fire burns you. So you need to you have you need to have something built with reverence, which I think is awesome. With that being said, and what you're doing, which I think is incredibly powerful, and and done the right way, could have a deep impact on society at, at large what is the dragon what is the big thing now, i know you say you don't have a holy grail but it's me i'm gonna i'm gonna just i'm gonna take uh an underlining holy grail of you you want to have you want to have a, a fun journey uh that's not as a achiever driven right because this is achiever driven obsessive entrepreneur zero sum i must win game and you're like i can i can turn on you know super bowl anthony and get into this, but I don't want to. I want to be just have fun, Anthony. So it sounds like you want to have the, the achievement set, but you also want to have impact, and you also want to do it with a care and intention to be able to create this culture in a place that has, that is something that you can be proud of. And so that piece is that. What is the dragon 
that might be preventing you from there, something that you might need to face or something that you may not be able to overcome preventing you from that goal. Specifically with Shanga.com? Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of good ideas Mm -hmm. and um, I've got an entire business plan for yogapants.com. I've got this RV park I'm looking to purchase Mm -hmm. to create a, a, you know, an RV park and a healing center. What? That doesn't make any sense. Well, it does when you understand the entire thing, right? Growing up with ADD, ADHD, overcoming those limitations, transcending my, disability um it's kind of like there's so many things i can do i my doubts come into which is the right one to put all of me into Mm. do i want to put all of me all of my effort into changa.com do i want to put all of my effort into yogapants.com do i want to put it all into my affirmations program do i want to put it all into this rv park event space healing space do i want to put it all into my wife and her new venture um you know she's starting a youtube channel story time with miss kathy and um Yeah, and she's you know into uh, taking courses on art therapy and and, and dance therapy and, and healing and that. So there's so much that I can participate in. It's it's where am I most in alignment? And then having like if I jump into one, it's like ah, I got this other thing that's a really fucking cool idea, right? And it it for so for me, it's going to have to be committing to one at a time, mm. because as as growing up with ADD, I I've I can multitask. And I might start 10 projects and and finish them all at the same time. It would take somebody to do 10 projects one at a time, but I'm going to do them all at the same time. Um, And so to to commit to a single project has always been something I struggle with because my my gift is that I come up with creative business ideas. Myoatmeal.com, IIFYM.com, you know, a couple other things that I had, you know, the paleo butter, um, all these ideas that I've had and all these businesses that I've started, built and sold or whatever come from this place that is like the center of God's gifting hand. It's just like, they come to me in dreams. They come and and, and when they, when I see it, the light bulb flashes. I know it. I, I I know when I get one of these ideas and I know it's going to be, you know, a banger. Um, but I've got so many. It's finding the one that my heart is most in alignment with and committing myself to that above all else, above, above all others. That is, is where I struggle. Beautiful, man. That's, uh, uh, that absolutely makes sense. And I mean, and totally the, the, there's like a through line of this whole conversation, which was that alignment. What is the alignment that you seek? And and then part of that is needing to let go of certain identities, like the identity of choice and being able to do that and, and picking a path and going through it. Um, Cause you kind of have a buffet of potential in front of you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it seems like whatever one you, you choose, you're going to have to let go of all those other identities of what those yeah. things are to jump in fully to something else, which is, which is a, a a beautiful note to to end this in this podcast on, 
Um, so is there anything else you would like to let people know about um, before maybe you tell them how to find your new business up and running or where they can find out more details of things? Or maybe I, I do look forward to the day that you could be uh, smoking changa uh, at your RV park while wearing yoga pants. <laughs> I know. I I look forward to that space, but that just came to me as a visual and uh, sign me up for that journey. But is there anything else you'd yeah. like to let people know about um, before you tell them maybe how to get a hold of you or if they're interested in learning more about what you're doing? Uh, I, I, there's nothing I need to promote. Changa.com, I've said it a couple times. It's just a, a cheap cheese dick splash page right now. We're working on the website. It uh, should be ready in a month or so. Um, the, but if, if I was going to leave on any kind of note or just uh, any kind of uh, just any kind of inspiration or I, I would, I would tell, I would tell people that it like, you're not alone in whatever struggles you're having. And there is always, always a, a way to transcend them. I personally believe that facing our fears, facing our trauma, facing our difficulties, surrendering to them, mm -hmm. not believing the fear, but facing it is the, is the quickest path. Don't have to do psychedelics. You can do breath work. You can do therapy. You can do you can copious amounts of exercise. You know, there's a lot of different ways to approach these things, these things. But if you don't take action towards changing for the better, you're basically refusing to grow. And you're not going to move emotionally beyond where you're currently at. So my encouragement would be to summon up whatever type of courage you need to take that first step to call a therapist, to reach out to your friend that drops acid or and ask them about some ceremonial space if he knows anybody that does ayahuasca. To look up a breath, breath work practitioner, to do some Wim Hof to start journaling, to pick up the, the book, The Artist's Way, even if you're not an artist, it's for everyone, to tap into our level of creativity and accept ourselves. Take the first step. First step's not going to hurt. The next few might. But if you don't take the first step, you're never going to reach the top of the ladder. Uh, Anthony, brother, I really appreciate your time being on the show. Uh, always a pleasure. Um, thank you for sharing everything. Thank you for sharing your journey, your stories, your lessons, your insights. And uh, yeah, man. And uh, thank you for being you, brother. I very much appreciate you. And uh, much love, man. I will, I will see you on the other side, my friend. I love you, brother. Thanks for All the right. opportunity. Absolutely, brother. Talk to you soon. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.